0: Well, happy Mother's Day to everyone, especially the mothers. There wasn't a sign that said, don't sit in the first two rows, just in case some of you were wondering. Uh, my name is Dave, one of the pastors here. Uh, it's, it's good to stand before you this morning. Uh, I love that it's morning, um, not just because the sun's out, but because we typically meet at night. Um, so it's good to be together in the morning. Uh, Today I want to talk a little bit about um, moms a little, uh, and use that as a means to pointing us to who the Lord is. Uh, before I do that, I want to let you know about something that's happening next week. Uh, next week we're going to launch into a new series on the church. Uh, it's called uh, Questioning the Church of Biblical Investigation. And we're going to spend probably 12 or so weeks talking through what does the Bible say about uh, what the church is supposed to be, supposed to do, uh, who, we're, who we are, and so we're going to spend several weeks in that. And I'm excited about launching us off into that next week. And so, uh, if you're around, uh, we'd love for you to come back and join us. Uh, it'll be a, it'll be a great time. Uh, I'm excited about it. Today, I want to talk a little bit about the the illustration, the picture, and we're going to look at a passage in Isaiah. But but the picture that the Bible uses of the comfort that a mom brings. And how it points to the ultimate picture of the comfort that the Lord brings. Um, there are Bibles over here. If you need one, you can grab one. We'll, we'll, I'll direct you there in a second. Uh, we've, we've been celebrating Mother's Day for quite some time um, in, in America. It's, it's a day that really I would say should be every day. Every single day should be Mother's Day. Um, there are times when the things that a mom will do go absolutely unnoticed. Um, the, Lack of thanks, uh, so many, my, my parents are here, and I'm, I'm excited that they're here uh, to hear this message, but I know there's so much of things that my mom would do as a mother that no one even had a clue, and she never complained about it. She just, she just did it faithfully, 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 and many of you have, have a testimony of that very thing, a mom who's just faithful to be who God called her to be, and, and I was always blessed to have that. Um, Moms are a safe haven, are they not? Um, all of us know that we're all we 've all had a mom in some context, and you know uh, I love my dad, but when I was sick i didn 't want him. I wanted my mom right well, i mean we 're familiar with this if you 're a parent, um, dads kind of get the shaft sometimes because it 's like no dad 's not going to cut it i need I need mom uh, they 're they're a place of safety they 're a place of rescue. Um, a mom is seen as one who nurtures and and cares for um, in a more intimate way than really a father. Um, I have a, a four-week-old. He's about right back there, um, and he's, he's incredible. He cries uh, a decent amount, and, and there's times when he cries that I really can't, can't help him. I, I'll try sometimes, and sometimes it, just, it would just frustrate him. So I just say, Mom, you, you better take him. Um, have you ever held some moms, have you ever held somebody's child? And the child knew that you weren't mom. Um, they just know there's there's a there's a shelter there um, that this child knows they have. Now there's times when a dad will get the job done. Now it wouldn't be how a mom would do it. So if a child's sick, dad might be like, "I'll oh, just take a couple swigs of Pepto Bismol and you'll be good." Okay, uh, you know just. Pop some ibuprofen, it might say on the back, and you'll be good. Okay, and it'll kind of work, but it's not quite how a mom would do it. So, my wife and I live with uh, Danielle's her parents, and so my daughter, she's two, she's in with the kids. She was uh, asleep, and uh, Pawpaw was was home, and we were like, we're just gonna step out for a second. Mikhail's asleep. Here's the monitor. She won't wake up. You'll be fine. Um, so we left. And it wasn't very long after we left. She wakes up. Not really a big deal. You know, he's he's fine with her. Um, but she needed her diaper changed. And, uh, you know, he just kind of, you know, he's not here to defend himself. But he just kind of passes that off, you know, doesn't volunteer to step in for that. And, you know, I don't, I don't blame him. Um, and so I wasn't there. And, and But I just envisioned how this unfolded. So it's time to change the diaper and... He came to this problem. Now, my father-in-law is an engineer, so he's a very bright man. Okay, And he's got Mikhail down, and he's trying to put a diaper on her, and he runs into this problem in the fact that the flaps that attach the diaper, like, he can't get them to stick. Um, and so he, he, he's just thinking, this thing's defective. All right? And so, um, but... No problems. He's an engineer. You know, It's, it's not going to be a problem. So his wife, uh, my, my wife's mom, comes home and sees Mikhail running into the room. And, and she's like, Mikhail, Daryl, what did you do? And, and no lie, uh, she had going around her a, a couple strips of tape. Just like duct tape. I don't know if it's duct tape, masking tape. And, and his response, no lie, was this. It worked, didn't it? That thing was not coming off. Um, you know, so it's a little bit different than how a, how a dad would, or how a mom would go about things. Um, but, you know, he said, he would argue it, it, it worked. Um, I want to look at two passages. Uh, I want to look, and you can turn there if you want. We're going to be there pretty quickly. Isaiah 66. Uh, We're going to, it's going to be on the screen. I'm going to breeze through it pretty quickly, but where we're going to spend the majority of our time is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, uh, I honor you and bless you here today. I thank you for uh, my mom. I thank you for, um, God, the blessing of of having a mom that loves you, uh, having a mom that, has done so much for me. Um, I thank you for, uh, God, this day that we celebrate uh, all the greatness and uh, beauty of, of a mom. God, I know that today is a hard day for some. It's a day of grief for some, and so I pray that as we talk this morning that you'd bring hope to those situations and that you'd be seen as a God who is incredibly great and a God who calls us to relationship with you. We love you, and we praise you, and I pray that you'd powerfully move in our midst. In Christ's name, amen. Isaiah 66, uh, verse 10. Here's what it says. It says, Rejoice with Jerusalem, and be glad for her. All you who love her, rejoice greatly with her. All you who mourn over her, for you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arms and dandled on her knees as a mother comforts her child. So I will comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem." So this passage is talking about Jerusalem, and it's using a very practical illustration of, of a mother as one who nurtures and comforts her child. Uh, one of the most amazing things to me about, about childbirth, there are a bunch of things. Uh, granted, it's, I just you know experienced it not, not too long ago. But one of the most amazing things uh, that I'll never get over is the fact that immediately after a baby is born, they can place that child right on mom's chest and it will immediately understand the concept of nursing. It just just baffles the heck out of me. You know, you you think about even creation in the animal world and, and that same mentality is built into this is my mom, this is where I go to to find food and rest and comfort and shelter and protection. That's the illustration that's used here uh, in this passage, um, carrying upon her hip, uh, bouncing upon her knee, all with one purpose of what it says here. Look at verse 13, and this is the illustration that we're going to spend a little bit of time diving into. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Now, if you're a mom, you understand that on a whole lot deeper level than anybody else in the room. Um, Isaiah, earlier on, he uses this example of of comforting quite a few times in his writings, but earlier on, um, he says this in Isaiah 40. uh, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. In 51 verse 12, he says, "I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass? God is a God who, much like a mother, seeks to comfort us. Uh, Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, uh, the Bibles, there's some around, you're more than welcome to take one with you. uh, If you need one, it's it's yours. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to start at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So Paul here is writing to this church in Corinth, and in this particular instance, and he does this a lot of times, he starts with something where I believe we should always begin. Here's what it is. He says, blessed be God. If you're ever wondering, like, where do I start in this whole relationship with God? That's a great place to start by blessing him and honoring him and worshiping him. But then he goes into something that initially is going to seem very um, interesting uh, and almost distant because he says, blessed be the God and Father. Like just, like almost like it's just some random God. The God. But, he, but I believe he has great purpose in the exact language that's used because he says, blessed be the God and Father. But he doesn't leave it distant. He's going to draw the God and Father to us, which is where we're going, if you haven't found that yet, which is where we're going regarding this idea that God is a God of comfort. He's going to draw this God to us How? What does it say? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What what is this? Well, this is the thing that the Bible talks over and over and over and over again, that through Christ, only through Christ do we have access to the Father. So what this is teaching is there's no comfort for the unbeliever. There isn't. Uh, I had a, uh, a sophomore come into my office a couple weeks back and just weeping, weeping about his home situation and about this divorce that his family's going through, just broken. And this kid's like hardcore. He doesn't cry. He's just weeping. And I looked him in the eye and I said, you know what, I can offer you no hope walking out those doors apart from you turning to Christ. None. It's Like, I'll just be straight with you. I'm not going to try to, you know, it'll be okay. Like, it's not. Your situation is awful. Awful. There's no hope. I I looked him in the eye and said that. That's not a really good thing to say when you're trying to counsel somebody and encourage them. But I said, hey, you have no hope. You've been pushing God away forever. As long as I've had him in class, pushing God away, it's so obvious. And I said, there's no hope unless you turn to Christ It's at that point that that God comes into our midst and is our our comforter. It's it's the means of relationship, which is really cool because this word comfort, when it says who comforts us, it, it literally carries this connotation of coming alongside. It's just amazing. That's the picture of relationship. You know, I mean, there's times you've sought to comfort, right, where you kind of speak, hey, hey, it's okay. And maybe you're like, I don't know, watching a bunch of kids or something, and you're like, hey, quit fighting, it'll be okay. Like, but the, the times that work the best are the times when you go and you pick that kid up and you grab him in your arms and you say, hey, it's all right. Like that, that's the imagery. And it also carries the weight of this word encouragement. The idea of putting courage within. Like Moms, parents, but moms have to do that all the time. My daughter's in this phase of being afraid of the dark, okay? Uh, she has this love-hate relationship with ladybugs. She calls them ladybugs. And she's like, daddy, daddy, wait, ladybug, ladybug. And then you, you kill it, kill it, and then you kill it. She's like, I want to see it, I want to see it, I want to see it. Okay? Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she needs courage put within her. She needs. There's times when she needs someone to come alongside of her. But notice what it says. Who comforts us in our affliction. So affliction is really, um, when you hear the word affliction, you probably think some deep, dark trouble, tribulation, anguish. Um, but really it also has the understanding of, of something that isn't like the bottom falls out of life. When you think of affliction, you think of like you're experiencing death and the worst of situations, but this idea of comforting is in silly situations like ladybugs, right, where I'm going to come alongside you. And affliction, here's what affliction is. It sets itself up against finding your joy. In the Lord. Anytime you face affliction, you're, you're fighting with this situation to, to give into the fear of this situation as opposed to finding your ultimate joy and satisfaction in who He is and all that He's promised for us. We're going to talk more about that in a second. But we have all kinds of different all kinds of different circumstances. My daughter was running down the sidewalk the other day, and I was chasing her, and she thought it was funny. Um, but she didn't know that a car was about ready to back out. And she fell and scraped her knee. And So I was like, well, I guess I don't need to spank her. She's already crying. Um, she kind of she gets the idea. You know, there's all kinds of different afflictions. I talked about being scared of the dark. Um, we have different broken relationships, financial stresses. That, I mean, it, it's our world. We live in this reality all the time, which is why I don't have a problem standing up before you all the time talking about how do we handle pain? How do we handle suffering? Because if we don't have a a foundation, then when it comes, you're going to run, and you're not going to know the God of comfort because you didn't know him beforehand, and so pain comes, and you're going to run to him, and you're just not going to understand. Okay? It's crazy because... Friend of mine three weeks ago committed suicide. And I look at the different people around him and I see where people are putting their hope in God and are very strong. And yeah, they're suffering deeply, deeply, but there's hope. And then I see people, they're just a mess because they never had a foundation ever. And even though they're trying to, like, okay, where's God in this? Where's God in this? Like, they don't have a foundation. I'm a big fan of talking about things before they before they come so that when they come, we're ready because they're coming. At least that's what the Bible says. Um, so back to the illustration of a mom. Uh, last night, I was holding Tobin, and Danielle goes, you're not holding him very well. <laughs> and in this moment, I'm trying to think through all right, There's a couple different approaches I could take here. What should I say? And, and this is what I went with. I said, babe, this is just how a father holds his son. <laughs> you know, she was worried about, like, you know, his neck was sideways or, you know, or something like that. She, she, she was trying to, you know, be the mom who was saying, you know, dad isn't quite doing it right or, or whatever. Um, yesterday, uh, we met, my, my family went to Maggiano's, and you're probably familiar with the fact that if a child is sleeping, the last thing you ever want to do in the world is wake them up, okay? So, it's about time to get going, Mikhail's asleep, and I'm like, man, this is going to go bad, and so I was like, I've got an idea, I'll send the dog in. And then Mikhail got get all excited about the dog, and uh, it didn't work at all. Anyway, so she's just, like, flipping out about, you know, nothing, and uh, it's just crazy. So the whole way we're driving to eat, she's just, like, crying. And Danielle literally had to turn around in the seat and for the entire drive give her attention to Mikhail and comfort her and, and show her love and attention and relationship. Um, that's, that's the picture of this comfort, this relationship that God calls us to. But what's interesting is, unless the child cries out, you don't know they need to be comforted, right? I mean, there has to be a crying out. There has to. You know, suicide. This, this kid, he never cried out. He never, there was no signs. If he would have cried out, we would have known. You better believe everyone would have done everything they could to step in and, and, and change the circumstance. But he didn't, he didn't cry out. So at what point does a does the person stop crying out? I think that's an interesting thing for us to look at. Because there's times when, as a young kid, we, a child will cry out for their mom, help me, help me, help me. But like, as you grow older, you begin to say no. If there's this stage that even Mikhail's going through, she'll be crying, I'll help you. I don't want to do it myself. You know, she's just freaking out. I'm like, Let me help. I don't want help. You know, but she's, she won't receive help. At what point do we begin to push away and stop crying out for help? But last thing I want to notice, and we'll go on to the next verse, it says in verse 4, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those in any affliction with the comfort we ourselves are comforted by God, here's the danger, and I'm just using the illustration of a mom, although it applies in a lot of contexts. The danger is this, that a mom will live their life void of seeking to find their comfort in God, void of allowing God to comfort them, because it, it communicates very clearly that the means by which a believer has to comfort another namely their child, is the fact that God's pouring his comfort into them. And so what overflows out of their life is godliness and God's love that's poured into their hearts. It's really dangerous when we begin to, we begin to walk this line of like, I can, I can handle this. And, and as a parent, let me just say the times when I I'm stressed and I'm tired and I'm not seeking my comfort in the Lord are the times when my seeking to comfort my kids is somewhat brutal, especially when you get into like bad behavior and discipline and um, you begin to see that, you you get tired, this has been a hard week for us as a family, we've just been exhausted and you try to love and discipline and, and nurture and care for, for kids without Finding your comfort in the Lord, it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. Look at verse 5. First, we share abundantly in Christ's afflictions. So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. I'm sure you're acquainted pretty well, probably not as well as you should be or I should be, with the sufferings of Christ. When we think of Christ's sufferings, where do we immediately think? The cross, right? The, the, The scene of the cross. I want to back it up a step. And I want to think, and we won't turn there because I'm going to do this pretty quickly, but I want to think about the moments leading up to the cross, specifically the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, we're familiar with that scene because Jesus is in the garden, and literally the Bible talks about this medical condition of hematidrosis setting in where you're so stressed to the point of sweating blood, which is really a, a real medical condition, not just some like crazy story that the Bible threw in there. Um, but really can happen to a person. And if you look in Matthew 26, it says that he was overwhelmed to the point of death. But in the midst of that, he had two options. One of the options that he didn't do was run from the pain. He did have a conversation with the father and said, I don't want to die. find that really cool. Because <laughs> the story of Jesus' death isn't just this like, oh, he's Jesus, and he just jumped on the cross, and he's like, no big deal, just do this thing. No, He didn't, he wanted to run. He wanted to run, but he found his satisfaction. What brought him comfort was this, the conclusion. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Why is that a good thing to land our minds on? Here's why. Because he didn't seek to find his comfort just in the lack of pain, but in the perfect plan of his father, who he knew was loving, who he knew had a a will that would be so much greater than anything he would will. He wanted to run, but he's like, That's not where joy is found. That's not where salvation is found. Salvation is found in, no, here's what God has for me. I'm going to plunge into that. He he ran to the Father. Uh, Here's a question for you to think about. Where do you go to find comfort? We go to all kinds of things, do we not? We go to all kinds of things, whether it be Food or drink or entertainment or some book or all kinds of different things. We go and we find our shelter and our comfort in these things. That really, here I kind of thought of this illustration. It might be kind of dumb. I thought of like a Dr. Scholl's pad, you know, like you put in your shoe, and it's like a temporary. Sorry, it's dumb. That's what Kyle said. It's like a temporary, um, a temporary thing that's just supposed to help you for a time, and then it's going to wear out, and it's going to break, and you're going to have to go buy a new one. Like, that's how we live our lives so often. Like, we run to this, and it's like, oh, crap, that ain't doing it. And we run to this, oh, crap, that ain't doing it. And we run back and forth, and God's just like, I want to comfort you. I want you to come to me. It doesn't mean that life isn't going to work, because sometimes we live in a simple, fallen world that's broken. Where do you go to find comfort? Look at verse 6. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. There are times, and I think every single one of us has experienced this, that a mother will intentionally inflict pain on their child. Okay, everyone... Rehearse the stories in your mind, okay? Um, I got one for you. And my mom's here, so she can defend herself if she sees the need to. Okay, so when I was young, and my sister's here, so she can help me. When I was young, um, anytime we would talk back or say something we shouldn't, um, and I'm incredibly grateful for this. Before you guys like start like judging, okay, um, we would get and I don't remember the quantity, we'll just say like you know a bucket, no um, we'd get a spoonful of tabasco sauce in our mouths, and if we tried to run to the bathroom, you got like two or three more, okay like it was over now I'm grateful for that because I love like habaneros <laughs> and uh, you know flaming hot wings. <laughs> B-dubs and, uh, you know. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. But that's intentional affliction, is it not? With a goal, of course. Um, there's, there's, always, there's always a goal. There's times when Danielle will spank Mikhail, and Mikhail will be crying, and she'll say, it hurts. But those moments always end in holding and loving and teaching and showing, I care about you. So there's a goal in the pain. There's always a goal in the pain, that it's going to produce salvation. Um, so McHale, I'd say McHale, but really I got this for Danielle. Um, it's, a, it's a little booklet that's called Wise Words for Moms. And uh, I ordered this, and I was so blown away by it when I got it that I turned around and I ordered a bunch more for the moms here at North Church. And so, Wednesday, these are coming, and we're going to get these to you hopefully next week. But here's what it is. Um, It's this chart that goes through all these behaviors of children. Uh, Bad friendships, bragging, complaining, uh, defiant looks. There's a good one. I know your child never does that. Um, Fear, lying, tattling. Mine, Mine doesn't. I mean, my kids know what to do. I mean, look at him. There's no defiance in that look right there. Whining. Um, I think we just need to hang that one up in my house. Um, and then it gives you questions to ask that probe at the heart condition of that sin. For the purpose of not just producing behavior modification in your kids. If like The goal isn't just to stop my daughter from whining just for the sake of my sanity. But the goal is that she's not trusting, okay? And so it it talks about, well, here's what you need to deal with, and it gives you scripture, and it gives you verses, and it it gives you a biblical approach, a gospel-centered approach to rearing up your child. And so when you look at this passage, and it talks about um, we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation, what's the goal? That through the pain, you would find salvation, a Savior. Um, Isaiah 12, verse 1, puts it like this. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Lamentations three thirty one through 33 says, For the Lord will not cast you off forever. Though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love for he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. There's always a goal. There, in a godly parents, a godly mother's life, there's always a goal in pain. Unless there's, I mean, there's moments of weakness and moments of sin that have to be confessed, and um, those happen. Um, but there's always a goal. Verse seven. I love this verse. It says, our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So Paul's writing, he's talking about sharing in comfort, and he's writing this to these believers in Corinth, and he talks about sharing in their suffering because of the fact that he deeply cared about them, that he had an intimate, close relationship with them that he wanted to walk with them through the trials but he lands at a conclusion that I want to land at and get us leaving with today here's the conclusion our hope for you beginning of verse seven is unshaken like that's Paul's conclusion that's any godly mother's conclusion and perspective of their child. Like, they have a hope. They don't see misbehavior as some random, awful, you're bugging me type of deal. They see a hope in what God has called a mother, and a father, but a mother to do in in rearing up and walking beside that, that I think biblically is supported and encouraged by the husband, and the husband takes part in that, Um, so I'm not just saying, moms, do your thing, dads are off the hook, because, man, we need to talk to dad at some point. Um, But our hope is, is unshaken. Romans 5 says this, hope does not disappoint. It's not this like, oh, man, I hope this happens, I hope this happens, but it's like, no. This is what God says will happen. But here's where the problem comes in, I mentioned this earlier, is we don't allow God to comfort us. The Bible says that he's deeply acquainted with our grief. But we don't cry out. We don't say, hey, God, I need help. I'm really tired right now. God, I need help. I'm really angry right now. God, I need help. Lay it out. What is it? We we don't cry out. We stop. There's a point where we stop crying out. You need to start again. And you need to never stop crying out. To the God of comfort. Never stop crying out. Because he's a God who brings you beside him. Who picks you up. Who holds you. And says, I want to comfort you this morning. I want to. Will you let me? Because if you don't trust him in the little things, the everyday things, when the big thing comes, you're not going to know how to trust him. And you're going to run from him, which is equivalent to you running from the comforter and joy. I love Psalm 119 verse 50. It says, this is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. That your promise gives me life. So my prayer for my kids, as we discipline them and as we love on them, is that in the midst of affliction that comes in their life, whether it's brought on by us as parents or whether it's just a a consequence of sin, is that they would hear in their minds over and over and over and over again, I love you, 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 I love you. And that that would shine brighter than anything that's going on in their life. Because they know the promise. That's what this is talking about. The promise. Mother's Day is an incredible day of celebration. I know it's also a day that's hard for many. Because some of you, you've lost your mother. Your mother's passed away. Some of you, as a mother, you've lost a child. Maybe through miscarriage. Maybe through other forms of death or separation. And so there's, there's some grief in that. There's difficulty in that. Some of you, you eagerly long to be a mother, to be married, and to be a mother. And there's, there's grief in that. But what's, what's incredible and what I want us to do is I want us to say, do those things push us to him? Do they get us more of him in our lives? I'll share this illustration and then I'll be done the family that lost uh, their son three weeks ago. Here, I looked him in the eye and I said this. My prayer for you guys is that y- your testimony would be, if this gets us more of you, it's a win. That's a really hard thing to say to parents that just lost their 19-year-old amazing kid who ended his own life. I said, if... This gets you more of him. It's a win. That's the testimony of our God. That's the testimony. Do the effects of life. Do they push us to him? Today, this morning, is a day that the God of comfort wants to come and grab you. And pick you up. And walk beside you. Not just when you're like, "Uh, I'm not sure what to do here. Like all the time even when you think you know what to do he'll say you no, don't I do I want to walk beside you I want to comfort you I want to love you so today we celebrate moms but more than that today we celebrate a God who is who's so great and who was distant because of sin but because of his son was brought near to us and we can know him through that Papa, I adore you because you are a God that is near. And You are a God who does not willingly afflict the children of man. But you are a God who loves and eagerly desires that every single person in this room would come into a deep and intimate relationship with you by faith through Christ. And so God, might, might today be a day when we say, yeah, I've been, been pushing you away forever. Maybe I've, maybe some in this room would say, I've, I've always pushed you away. I've always pushed you away. I've never cried out to you. God, might today be the day that they cry out and beg you to save them. God, might today be a day that we just are reminded of your comfort, of your love, of your goodness, that our joy is found in you, in you alone. And Might we run to that and worship you for that. You are beautiful and you are good. And we adore you. It's by your powerful name I pray.